Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner, Evan Preparis. We have a guest with us on the line. It's going to be a pretty interesting episode. Before we get to him, though, a quick word from our sponsors. So this episode is brought to you by two sponsors of the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team. One of them is Ufos. You may have heard me talk about Ufos before. They're recovery sandals. So they're essentially sandals, clogs, shoes that reduce impact by up to 37%. So uh, great for post-ultra OCR or kind of just nursing an injury if on the lower extremity. Highly recommend them or if you just kind of stand on your feet all day. So highly recommend those. And then on top of that, another sponsor of the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team, Rock Tape. Make all sorts of mobility and kinesiology tape and topical cream like Rock Sauce Fire and Rock Sauce Ice. We're going to be talking a lot about KT tape on this podcast, so we'll kind of get into some of that stuff later. But let's get into our guest. So joining me, I have Dr. Kirk Iotis. He runs Advanced Healthcare and Sports. It's a clinic in the southern portion of Kansas City, specifically Olathe area. And it's got a ton of certifications. I'm going to kind of blow through some of them real quick. So official chiropractor for the Kansas City T-Bones, official chiropractor for the KC Smoke Elite Running Club, Cleveland Chiropractic College faculty, recommended Physician, Casey Ballet and Runner's Edge, former official chiropractor of Kansas City Wizards, Doctor of Chiropractic, Bachelor of Sciences in Health and Fitness, Bachelor of Science in Life Science, Active Release Technique Certified, Motion Palpation Institute Certified, Kinesio Taping Level 3 Certified. So, Kirk, welcome to the show. Thank you, Evan. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, and then also, another fun fact, kind of scrolling through your bio, you were born in West Lysop, New York. I'm from Long Island. Oh, you're kidding me. Now, <laughs> it's a small world, man. Yeah, I didn't, what's funny is I didn't realize that when I came to see you uh, a couple weeks ago. So Yeah, that's awesome, man. Cool. So, yeah, let's, you know, so I think some people listening to this, we are Midwest, generally Midwest-based strength and speed, but we, we do have members nationwide. So if you're not from the Kansas City area, I, w- I wouldn't worry because I think a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about and we're going to learn during this episode can be applied nationwide. There's other institutes and uh places around the nation that provide similar services and it's a common question we get as well from people either who are moving uh their current patients are moving somewhere else or they say hey my mom lives in uh in minnesota or something like that and they'll say can you help me find someone so i can give some pointers on uh certifications to look for uh, for someone who would have similar training as me awesome so i guess let's let's jump right into it methods and modalities do you provide for people and kind of their the general purpose so i i like to reduce their, their simplest elements to make them easy to understand so when it comes down to it i really just do three things in my office it's very simple uh which is that i release tight or injured soft tissues uh, i loosen stiff joints and i show people and help them to strengthen weak muscles so everything that i do or someone like me does is gonna fall approximately into one of those categories uh, so then you start branching out into, okay, so we, and you had mentioned a few of the different treatments that we provide. Uh, what are those? What are each of those for? So uh, most people who have been to a chiropractor have probably been adjusted in some way. And uh, the, the simplest way that I can communicate what an adjustment does is that an adjustment is to a joint as it stretches to a muscle. In other words, it's a structure that's meant to move. Otherwise, it would be, just be fused bones. So it, it's made to move, it's lacking a range of motion. So you push it past the range of motion that is typically used, you do that repetitiously, and then uh, with, with a little bit of time, uh, the range of motion can be restored, much in the same way as if you had tight hamstrings, you stretch them, which is moving it farther than you typically do, do that repetitiously, you have looser hamstrings, and some of the problems that were associated with that, uh, is helped. So, uh, so that is a little different uh, in that you can't, you can't stretch your own joints. You can do some things to mobilize them, but typically it takes uh, an external force to be able to actually manipulate a joint. So uh, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So that's the most common treatment that is, and that's, that's usually the, um, 
the focus of what your your hands-on uh, experience in school. So uh, for chiropractors, uh, as chiropractors is, is one of the, the safer healthcare professions you can go to. One of the reasons uh, for that is that uh, to do the hands-on work that we have to do, we have to actually complete over a thousand hands-on hours before we're permitted to go treat people out, you know, in, in, in the real world, if you will. Uh, so that's a tremendous amount of time, you know, one-on-one hands-on time and experience. Uh, and again, that primarily isn't adjusting. So then uh, some people will specialize. And uh, when you're treating athletes, you need to know a thing or two about soft tissue. So then we get into the, you know, releasing uh, soft, uh, injured or uh, tight tissues. And uh, a few of the modalities there, you mentioned uh, ART. Uh, so ART is, uh, it's a specialty certification. You actually have to go through a certification process and pass exam things like that. Uh, it's, it's, to be honest, it's the hardest one to do um, for, as a practitioner. It has the most information associated with it. Uh, so usually someone who's an ART certified, even if they're doing treatments other than ART with you, is going to be pretty decent. Or actually, they're going to be really good, to be honest with you. Um, so with ART, essentially, you take a structure, you shorten it, you press on it, you stretch it helps to release muscles or tissues that are tight and they don't want to release. Or you can break up scar tissue. Um, then there's also uh, uh, treatment commonly referred to as Graston or IASTM. Do you, do you, which of those do you are you more familiar with? IASTM? IASTM, yeah. Okay, yeah. Sorry, just for the listeners jumping back, ART, active release therapy, correct? Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Yep. So, is that, so IASTM, it's, it's kind of a mouthful. So it stands for uh, Instrument Assisted Soft Tissue Mobilization. Uh, a lot of people will refer to it as Graston, which is kind of like a, a brand of that particular type of treatments. Um, but with that, uh, many people have had this in a lot of therapists' office. You have a, a metal instrument, you rub it over the skin. That's helpful for breaking up scar tissue and loosening up tight structures. Um, and then you also have things such as Needling. Uh, practitioners can't do dry needling in every state, but uh, here in, in Kansas, Missouri, and some of the surrounding states, uh, you can. Uh, dry needling is, it's like the medical version of acupuncture. So uh, you, uh, it's very much so centered on musculoskeletal care, meaning it's, it's for pain. It's not necessarily for uh, Eastern medicine purposes of aligning energy, things like that, which there's, there's nothing wrong with that, to be clear. I'm not saying that there's not incredible validity and you can't get incredible results with that. But this is very specialized version of acupuncture, if you will, uh, that's really designed to get results with musculoskeletal care. So those are the, the, some of the main things that we utilize to uh, accomplish those goals. Awesome. Now, I'd like to jump back a little bit. So you started off talking about adjustments, right? You know, let's say I know nothing about the body and I'm like, well, I, I crack my back every morning or I crack my neck every morning. Why can't I just do that? Why do I have to go see someone special? Yeah. And that's, that's a great question. We definitely get that. So especially when it comes to your spine, think of your spine like a chain, right? If you can picture a chain on the ground. And if I welded some of the links of that chain together, if I kind of wiggled it along the ground, the whole thing kind of moves, but there are parts of it that are moving as one unit, you know, three or four links in a row. Does that make sense? That, that kind of picture in your head, your spine's kind of like that. So the thing is when you are self-manipulating, cracking your neck or your back, what you're doing is you're making areas that already move too much move more. Uh, so generally speaking, you're, you're encouraging areas of hypermobility, meaning excessive motion and the areas that are hypomobile, meaning they don't move enough. They just get stiffer because those areas that are moving too much are making up for the slack that, that of them not moving. Uh, so it's kind of like a vicious cycle. You become dependent on it. Uh, the thing is, it always feels good. Uh, when joints make that popping sound called a cavitation, that has a pain relieving effect to it. Uh, to such an extent that it feels good and usually it can make you feel better when you do it. But it's very short-lived and generally speaking, you have to do it more and more uh, over time to, to get that same feeling. So the difference is that uh, what, what chiropractors will do is find the areas that you're not moving enough and we adjust those areas and that helps areas that don't move enough move better. Gotcha. Now, I remember growing up and there was like an old wives tale that cracking your knuckles was bad for you. Is there any validity to you know that or cracking joints being bad for you? No, you can that you can very very much so say uh, with a lot of confidence. No, there have been 
the surprising amount of studies and money spent on that exact question in the format that you're talking about in regard to people popping their own knuckles uh, to the extent where uh, there's one where a gentleman popped his, you know, one hand every day for 25 years, however, however many times a day, and the other hand he didn't. After 25 years, x-rayed both hands, absolutely no difference, the amount of arthritis. And then there are other studies that confirm over and over again that the popping noise and doing that does not enlarge joints. It doesn't have any negative consequences to it. Gotcha. I had never heard of that study. I think that's fascinating. I love that he spent that long investigating. I know. Like, that's, that's amazing. That commitment, right? Yeah, I, I'm very I mean, impressed. I, that's I awesome. love what I do. I don't know if I'm, you know, 25 years, you know, doing the same thing every day, but that's, that's impressive. I got to give that man credit. Okay. Now for adjustments specifically, is that something that a healthy person should do to maintain health or is that specifically for, you know, I'm injured and I'm coming in to see, to see you for something specifically bothering me? So it can be in either context, no matter how practice the people run, the majority of patients that are seeking care are seeking care because they are hurt. There is a complaint. There's something they want uh, relief from. Um, and then uh, some people uh, will will choose to go on and get adjusted to kind of just stay optimized, you know, just because they notice that they run better, they move better, they are better, they are healthier when they get adjusted. Uh, but it really comes down to the to the the needs of the individual person. Uh, and I, I always look at uh, health care dollars as, as ROI. You know, you want to make sure that you get return on your investment, right? So some people that, especially athletes, they push their bodies, they see those results. They are more aware when, when not when they're hurt necessarily, which that can be true too, but they're also more aware when they're just not operating at their peak, right? And so with athletes, many times you find that they are, that's a population that is particularly uh, interested in keeping themselves feeling good without necessarily coming in for complaints on a regular basis. Sorry, it's a little bit of a long answer to the question, but does that answer it? No, that's, that's absolutely great. That was just what I was looking for. You have experience treating OCR athletes, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm always treating, you know, at least, at least a few people who are doing OCR, absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah, we, we always... We always like to give business back to the people who are essentially, you know, self self cycle there, supporting the sport and et cetera. So that's good to hear, and it also it's good to hear because our sport is fairly unique. I mean, it requires a lot of planes of motion and uh, different types of movements and stuff like Absolutely, that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, well, it's good too because it encourages a lot of different motions. I mean, many of the injuries that are sustained in sports, they have that term overuse before the word injury, right? So overuse injuries. Uh, overuse injuries tend to occur from doing the same motion repetitively over and over again. But when you have activities that break it up and have different motions involved, uh, I, I see that as a really good and healthy thing. Awesome. Now, let's say I go to your clinic and I'm completely healthy or I'm injured, whatever. Take me through the process of, you know, I show up, I walk in the door, like what goes on? What's the next step in the treating me? Sure. So the, the, the first step is beyond like paperwork and all the normal doctor stuff uh, is to sit down and take a history and understand what the is looking for because uh, for the, the reality is there's different types of care kind of as we have we have alluded to uh, most people uh, they come in for a complaint so we'll focus on that situation uh, you have to understand okay am I gonna have to put you in crisis care or are we going to try to you know create a treatment plan to fix you in other words somebody somebody may come in they say doc I heard that you're good at fixing this stuff uh, I have this big event it's in three days what can you do, right? That's crisis care. That's where you're going to be KT taped like the bionic woman or man. Uh, you know, you're, it's not going to be focusing on, exor on exercises and strengthening so much as some stretches. And then anything I can do that ha can have the most relief and results the fastest to get you through the event. So that's one particular goal set and saying, okay, your goal is to get through, you through this. My goal is to accomplish your goal. Let's do that. Of course, as long as it's safe. Um, the majority of people, it tends to be something they've had for a while and they're wanting to, to get this fixed. So in that case, what we do is kind of like what we did with you. Uh, we run through two different types of exams. So are you familiar with the term orthopedic exam? Uh, no. Let's okay. run through it. So, yeah. or, so, so orthopedic exam, if you've ever been to, uh, you know, a, a either medical doctor, orthopedist, chiropractor, physical therapist, basically they'll, they'll have you do tests where they push on you, you resist motions or something like that, and they're asking you if it hurts and where. 
Um, the goal of orthopedic tests is to figure out the tissue of origin of your pain. In other words, what is the thing that is hurt? Um, but then there's another part when it comes to treating athletes that is vitally important if you want to fix things versus just manage them, and that is functional exam. Are you familiar with that term? Let's run through it anyway. Sure, okay. So, so functional exam is evaluating that exact term. So you're, you're evaluating function. So uh, in this case, you're looking for essentially uh, areas that move well, areas that don't move so well, and if so, is it muscles that are too weak, muscles that are too tight? You're trying to figure out what movement patterns are, are not going correctly. And then usually what you can do, Evan, is you can take the functional exam findings and say, okay, you have decreased ankle mobility and decreased uh, hip flexor mobility, um, and then couple that with the fact with, okay, your facet joints and your lumbar spine are hurting because you're getting over when you do your overhead motion in volleyball. Um, so that's how you make the whole picture. Uh, and then that's how you can fix things because muscles don't get tight for no reasons. Joints don't start, you know, getting stiff for no reason at all. There's some dysfunction that's underlying that. And so then the treatment becomes, how do we create, uh, how do we create solutions in the short term where you get results? How do we help you self-manage and educate you to have it not come back? Then also, how do we uh, create a treatment plan that enables you to change the function of your body so that it's not likely to come back? Or, you know, obviously the, the hope is that that same thing doesn't happen again. Yeah, I love that approach and kind of that holistic kind of looking at the whole body and all the different joints and actual movements. It just makes so much more sense. You know, I'm, I'm in the army and sometimes you go to like the doctor, the army doctor and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, take some ibuprofen and don't run. And you're like, yeah, I need something better than just eat ibuprofen and, and not running, right? Like I'm this, um, this opinion a, a lot of times in, uh, with, with certain healthcare providers and which is that, you know, some of these distance sports or running in particular is bad for you. And I, I have a problem with that because if you look into the research of, of, of most of these activities, you'll see a ton of uh, positive health benefits. For example, I mean, again, again, this is just maybe people not looking into statements they believe uh, based on research. Like, there's a common consensus that uh, uh, that running it tends to create arthritis in your knees. Uh, and the, the fact is research uh, points the opposite of that. Actually, people who have uh, who run, they tend to have more incidence of soft tissue injury, but they actually have decreased incidence of lower extremity arthritis and decreased uh, incidence of lower extremity disability as a, as a group. So, you know, it, it just goes to show you in that regard, it, it, it actually, it's, you could make the argument, it's actually good for your, for your joints. Now that's different than I know, you know, you're in the military and you're, if you're running with packs, things like that, that can accelerate, you know, arthritis or things like that. You, I see people who were in for a long time, you know, cause you're carrying heavy weights, uh, right. you know, you're running, you're running in boots that are not exactly, you know, the best for, <laughs> for doing this. They're terrible. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> although, so although uh, I, will, I will say like starting in around, uh, 2004 when we were in Iraq and Afghanistan yeah. full bore, like the shoe companies started really making, you know, cause they, essentially they wanted to make money. Right. So they, yeah, yeah. Nike started making boots. Oakley started making boots, you know, so the, the quality of boots after, uh, essentially the war on terror started increased dramatically okay. i mean they're so much that's, better than that's great to hear yeah. yeah yeah and running with your running with uh 70 pounds in your back pro uh, probably not the best uh the best for your joints i, I typically would make a distinction but in your head you're probably thinking man there's times i'm running that didn't feel so hot to my knees or something like that so that's you know that is a different situation with that but just in terms of your standard like person jogging or running for fitness right. uh there you can make the argument that actually is good for your joints now, I, I would, all the research I've seen completely agrees with that, that, you know, essentially the more running helps build bone density, right? Because you're, you're, you're exposing it to stress and then you're, you should be recovering at some point, which yeah. would, would make your bones denser, essentially make you more uh, resistant to injury. That's right. The, the only caveat to that is with overtraining. So if you're over, you know, kind of 60-ish miles a week total for your, for your mileage with running, then you get into a high enough volume that's, you know, no matter what, if you do something at high enough volume or intensity, it can right. accelerate to a bit of change. And also assuming, obviously, your nutrition is appropriate yeah. for... Yeah, yeah. There, there are several caveats to that, yeah, but yeah. I, you could say as a group, you know, right. fix, right? Cool. So I like to run through some of the treatments you provide specifically and kind of what they're best used for and stuff like that. So let's start off with uh, active release therapy. So again, give us a quick rundown of active release therapy and kind of what it should be used for and what it may be not so good to be used for. Sure. Uh, 
with all these, it depends on, uh, somewhat on the uh, proficiency of the provider, of course. Like someone could be really amazing at ART, not so good at other things. They may get slightly different res results, right? But, uh, but yeah, a lot of times there are, there are specific things that these may be a little bit better for. So, uh, so with ART, um, ART looks cool. I mean, so if, if, if I am you know, on the sidelines of the game or if I'm uh, helping runners after a race or something like that, if I'm treating people with ART, other people will come around just to see because they're like, what are you doing? That looks really neat. Basically, you go with uh, origin insertion of muscles, um, and it can go with other tissues too, ligaments and things like that. But basically, you're pulling along the line of a soft tissue, you shorten the structure, you press on it with your hand, and then the patient, either with their own power or the doctor helping them, uh, they lengthen that. <clears throat> And so what happens there is that there's it, the, the, I think one of the easier ways that I'll communicate the benefits of this to people is it's kind of like combining a stretch and a massage at the same time and that you're elongating a tissue. So let's say it was your triceps, right? Um, so you would be stretching the triceps at the same time as there, there's manual pressure applied to there. So you have the pressure from your hands, kind of like massage, right? Um, but then you also have the stretch as if it's a stretch, but it works better and faster than either one by itself. So um, <clears throat> in terms of what that works best for, um, you can use it as very broad applications, um, but generally speaking, since the purpose is to change length of something, if you have something that's, that's shortened, uh, something that's not moving well enough, like a muscle or a soft tissue, um, so it tends to help uh, change the length or elongate shortened structures. Um, and it also is good for um, altered mechanics caused from muscles being too tight. So a perfect example is the shoulder. Uh, I've got a video on my website and a lot of people who do ART, they'll have something like this too, but you know, there'll be somebody who comes in, they can't elevate their shoulder very well. You do minutes worth of treatment, five minutes worth of treatment, and then do the, the repeat video and lo and behold, they can reach all the way overhead. Um, so, so it's great for quick strike um, improvements in ranges of motion. Gotcha. Sounds good. All right, let's jump into kind of the next one down the list. So instrument-assisted soft tissue mobility, IASTM, or Graston method, what you called earlier. Um, our sponsor, Rock Tape, does rock blades. That's so right. Similar stuff there. So give us some, some information about that. So this is a – generally it's going to be kind of – it's more superficial, right? So in other words, it's not going to go as deep. And that'd be a benefit of ARTs. You can get very deep in, with your hands. Um, if you take a metal instrument and push it really in a hard, hard into someone, it's called stabbing. And people don't really like to stab, you know? So, uh, so, so uh, it tends to be a more superficial treatment. So it technically is a fascial treatment. So ART is very specific. It's one of the reasons it's so difficult is that, you know, you're not just on a muscle. You might be on a specific part of a specific part of a muscle. Um, so very, very detailed, takes a lot of experience to feel. With the, with the instrument, you're on the fascia, so you're over a region. So you have to change the way you think about how you're treating. You think about how fascial lines move, how a body moves, how a certain uh, part of, of a person might be restricted. Um, particular benefit for doing instrument is for if there's large regions that are affected. Uh, great example, I had a patient in who he previously had a disc injury in his, in his back, and that can cause this thing called antalgia. Uh, which is where you're, 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 you kind of get, get cockeyed a little bit, like your shoulders will be offset from your, your hips, like you're leaning over. And um, the thing is, he kind of got stuck like that, uh, even after the disc injury was gone. And so his muscle has just kind of solidified him in this position. And so even though he no longer had this active back pain or disc uh, disorder anymore, um, I used that along the, the connections of where fascia, which is the connective tissue under your skin, where that went from and to, I used my knowledge of that to figure out how I needed to kind of unravel him. And uh, we were able to get him within, you know, a couple of weeks to where he could stand completely straight. Um, but I, I don't know, that would have been much harder. I probably could have accomplished that with other things, but it would have been harder because with this, I can cover large areas, uh, large areas of connective tissue as we're treating. Also, it's for tendon injuries uh, and, uh, and ligament injuries too. Yeah, and I, I remember, so the first time, you know, I see these rock blades, specific tool for this specific thing. And they look like, I mean, they look crazy. It looks like you're about to like carve someone open on them. But I was actually. Yeah, the rock blades look crazy. Yeah. So when you actually did the, you did the Graston um, method to me, it wasn't, 
I thought it was going to be more painful than it was. It wasn't, it was actually like, it was just like a little uncomfortable, but not, it didn't feel nice, but it didn't feel bad. It was just like, mm, this could feel bad, but it doesn't. Um, so, you know, one thing I hear really frequently, I'll tell them what I'm going to, I'll describe what I'm going to do. And this happens with some frequency is that they'll say, Oh God, I've, I've had that done before. And I'll say, describe your experience. And they will often have been to maybe a therapist office or something like that. And they'll describe a lot of bruising and, and it sounds really, really uh, intense. Right. And, uh, and sometimes that's where the reputation comes from is, Oh gosh, this is really intense and, and hard treatment. Now don't be wrong. There are times where they are for specific situations, which there's a pep talk beforehand where it is going to be heavy pressure. It is going to be really painful so on and so forth. But the vast majority of the time, you don't have to do that. And in fact, it's contraindicated. You're supposed to use a mild to moderate amount of pressure because, again, it's superficial. It's meant to be on or just below the skin pretty much. Um, but what happens is that one person may be in like a large physical therapy clinic, something like that, or you know, it could be other types of therapists or treatment providers too. But one person might go get educated and take a class, buy the instruments, bring them back for everyone to use. And they say, well, how to use them? They're like, oh, you just put this lotion on people and you scrape them, right? But just like anything else, um, it, you do have to be specifically educated on how to do it correctly. It's, it's, just, it's just a tool. It's just, it's just an instrument, and it takes the training of the person to make it something that's therapeutic. Gotcha. Good explanation. Now, look, continuing kind of moving along down the list, let's talk dry needling. Sure. You know, I, when people hear dry needling, like you kind of mentioned earlier, they immediately think acupuncture and they think of someone laying on the table with like 30 pins stuck in their body. And I know that's not the case. So kind of take us through what the process is and specifically, yeah, go, go from there. So there, there are different types of dry needling, actually. So the, the one that if there's anyone listening to this right now who's had it. Uh, as a result of a sports injury, for example, there's a good chance they've had uh, trigger point dry needling, which in trigger point dry needling, and there's different ways of classifying this, but the way I'm communicating is how I tell patients. I think it's the easiest to understand. So in, uh, in trigger point dry needling, essentially you're looking for this thing called a trigger point, uh, which have you heard of uh, that, that term before? Do you think people are familiar with that at all, trigger point? I've heard it, and we actually we talked about this very, very briefly for po- podcast listeners who've been around for about two years because I had torn my pec uh, two years ago, and I actually had dry needling, which is the first time I'd even heard of it when the uh, the doctor who I was with started like, yeah, I'm going to stick these needles into your pec, and I was like, okay, cool. Not scary at all, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of interested in this stuff, so I, he's like, most people look away, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to stare at you while I'm like, I'm going to look at it because I want to see what's going on. But yeah, yeah, yeah. run through trigger point and all that. Sure. Stuff. Sure. I just, I, I want to make sure I'm not going into too much detail. You know, I nerd out on this stuff, so it's easy to, to go get people glass eyed, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, I'm pretty nerdy. But, so I feel like if people are still listening to my podcast, they have a little bit of nerd in them too. So. Oh, that's great. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm glad to hear. All right. So a trigger point, the, the easiest way I can describe what a trigger point is, is it's an area within a muscle. So if you picture a muscle like a rope, there's strands, right? These, all these individual strands. And in a muscle, those strands contract. So when really this this thing happens in your muscle with some ions, creates an electrical discharge, and basically you you have a shortening of these structures. Um, uh, And so so like when you flex your bicep, that's actually those fibers have shortened, right? So we can think of that as flexing. And then if I don't do that, that's relaxing, right? So a trigger point is an area within that muscle. It's not the whole muscle. It's some of those strands, if you can picture that, that rope, some of those strands are tighter than the other areas and they're all they're always just on the verge of contracting so there's these processes that happen to a muscle that cause it to flex basically and in a trigger point um those it's kind of amped up and they're always just about to happen but not quite so it makes this balled up area of a muscle and it makes it kind of reactive so if you if you take your fingers uh and if you could see me do this to somebody so if you were looking at me from the outside and watching me evaluate someone I can take my fingers and kind of pluck across a muscle. You'll actually flex involuntarily and contract. It's not them. They can't help it. It's involuntary contraction. And so and I can feel the, the texture of it. So that's a trigger point. So in trigger point dry needling, you take a needle, you place it into that spot. And the hardest thing about this particular type is isolating that spot because you're talking a very small area within a large muscle very often. Um, but you take the needle, it pierces that area, and really the needle acts as a stimulus. Um, now, obviously, there, there are some 
issues in terms of it's being pierced, right? So you get some blood flow in there, some other things, but really it causes an involuntary contraction and it makes, the, it makes that area finally fully flexed and then it relaxes. Um, so the way it was described to me is it's kind of like rebooting a computer. Um, so, you know, when you reboot a computer that it just kind of takes care of a lot of the glitches, uh, kind of the same thing here. And in this case, the, the, the muscle essentially, it has input from its neighbors and says, well, okay, well, how tight are you? And, uh, and you can have very quick results with getting rid of those. So that's one type. The other type I generally will refer to as neurologic dry needling. So that one looks a lot more like, uh, like acupuncture. So you have uh, more needles. They tend to uh, be manipulated. Uh, in the, the previous one I was talking about, you'll actually move the needle back and forth. In the neurologic dry needling, you tend to leave them in. And they tend to be both near an area that you're symptomatic, as well as in areas that are seemingly unrelated. And the reason that you do those and choose those distributions is based on essentially what you found going wrong and the nerves that are involved with that particular dysfunction. Gotcha. So dry needling, we're talking how many needles? You know, that's the question, question of the hour. So um, in, the, in the, um, uh, the trigger point dry needling, very often just one. Uh, 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 and like, a, let's think here, I had one last week, a, a calf strain, which is a very common area. We'll do that on acute calf strain. One treatment, they were back to running. Uh, that was a single needle in a single spot. Uh, probably um, 30 seconds worth of treatment, uh, which is the good news. The bad news is it's a long 30 seconds. So it's a, it's very, that type is very painful. Um, when it comes to the other type, in terms of numbers, it depends on the condition. Figure on average, it would be somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, six to 12, something like that. Oh, could be awesome. less, could be more depending. Yeah, depending on what's going on. Uh, for example, there are sometimes in someone's heel, where I, they'll in basically like almost get a bone bruise on their heel and I might put 15 needles in, you know, a surface area the size of a, of a dime. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. So the, not the same army doctors, right? There's like big army doctors who are usually, I mean, they're used to dealing with the masses, but specifically within special forces, we have, we hire like a private company to do a lot of the things you're talking about to the, the, the operators. So they are phenomenal. They, they're run by a company called Thor 3, uh, which has, it's an acronym. I can't remember what it stands for. But they, they were the ones who did dry needling to me after I tore my pec. Personally, I didn't feel like I made a huge, like, I mean, it felt good when they did, when they actually, like, hit the trigger point. But, I, I mean, I didn't feel like a huge difference afterwards. But I know from talking to some of my friends that have had it done, they reported, like you were saying, kind of immediate results and immediate progress uh, from, the, from the situation. So... I just I just thought it was really cool. You, you bring up a really good topic, actually, which is it, which is uh, kind of inadvertently, but there are these different treatments. I would exist. Well, the thing is, you can have soft tissues injured in more than one way, right? So, in your case, you may have had a combination of sure there may have been, and this is very common with strains. You have trigger points afterwards, the muscles retract, and things like that. But you may have also had some issue, issues with adhesion and scar tissue, for example. Um, and it, the dry needling doesn't do as well for that stuff. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. And they, they're super good. The, uh, like I was saying before, those Thor three guys, cause they understand, they understand that you're like type a personality. I'm here to get better and actually go back out and do my job versus some of like the big army ones that they're dealing with are like people malingering. Essentially. They're like, you know, I, I don't want to work out. How do I get out of here? And, uh, these guys are like, you know, when I was working with them, I was like, so I've got like a 50K in two weeks. I was like, can I do that? And he's like, I should tell you not to do it. He's like, but as long as it doesn't hurt when you're running, you're not causing additional damage and you don't, he's like, be very careful on the trail because if you trip, right, you can further tear it or do something like that. He's like, you sound very much so like a, like patients in our office. Like this, yeah. you're, you're, you're mirroring conversations <laughs> I have on a nearly daily basis. So it was nice to like get that like kind of like a realistic assessment like here's what here's what the baseline like doctor recommendation is here's what like your far right limit is you know as far as you know what you can do before you start getting dangerous and you know it's try to fall somewhere in between those two lines so it was nice. You also bring up another good point there too is um, is that someone who's used to dealing with a a specifically active population right. So uh, that's one of the differences you'll find in people who are accustomed to uh, dealing with athletes in general too, is 
if you ask, can I do this? And you feel like you're getting a blanket no, there's a good chance you're dealing with someone who's not really well versed in dealing with your, either your type of athlete or athletes in general. Um, there should be a logic behind uh, any kind of any kind of alterations of activity, right? So or it should be clear, like, and this is why you, if they say you shouldn't, it should be clear, like, oh, well, you could have a, an evulsion fracture of your ankle, and you know that could your ankle could dislocate. That'd be bad. So probably not, right? So that's a, that that makes a lot of sense. It should be very logical. But uh, if it doesn't seem like they have a good grasp on uh, on your status and your activity level uh, in terms of like, is it safe to do a certain activity with your injury? Um, then that's a time you may want to make a change, you know, in terms of if you're looking for a, a care provider to help you through your activity related injuries. Absolutely. Yeah. Great advice there. Let's keep moving along. So we'll talk about kinesthesiology taping. Yeah. So, so yeah, let's run through that. Ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So KT tape is, is cool. Um, I first got certified in 2010 and I'd resisted doing it for a couple of years prior because, uh, the 08 Olympics is really when people started asking the question like, Hey, what's up with that tape? Uh, but I resisted for a while because I, I, I was like, that has to be gimmicky. There's no way that stuff really works that well. Um, but it was actually an intern in my office. Uh, there, I, 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 I'll, we'll have interns that come in from the chiropractic college in Kansas city. And there was an intern in my office and he was actually, when he literally talked me into it, he was like, seriously. Trust me, I swear, uh, you know, host a training at your practice, you know, so and so forth. So I was like, okay. So I, I, I hosted a training, got certified, and I, I was amazed at how it worked and the differences it can make. Um, so uh, the, the question that we frequently get is, okay, what is it and how does it work? I'll start with the simplest explanation is that it's kind of like wearing a brace, but it doesn't restrict your range of motion, meaning it, it supports an area, but you have a full range of motion, right? So that's the simplest answer. But uh, the, the reality is it's actually quite a bit more complicated than that. Um, so the, all you're doing is taping. Uh, a, you have a tape that stretches in one direction. Because it stretches in one direction, uh, a practitioner can kind of vector where forces go to and from, if that makes sense. So all you're doing is pulling on someone's skin. So you know, how could that really help or support anything? And that's the neat thing is that it works with the fascia, that connective tissue underneath your skin. Um, your muscles transmit a lot of their force through fascia. So by manipulating and pulling and pushing on fascia in different ways, you can really encourage or discourage certain motions to a surprising degree. And then it has a lot of uh, benefits when it comes to pain relief too. Uh, and the way this works is that there are different types of nerve endings in your skin. And um, there are, are certain types of fibers um, that help you to accommodate to things. In other words, like you've put tape on your, uh, sorry, um, like a bandaid on your skin, you kind of get used to it, you know, things like that. So um, there are these fibers that, what's, they're called slow accommodating. So um, they're, there's pressure on them over a long period of time, they kind of dull out your sensation. Well, the neat thing is those nerves, they, as they go back to your spinal cord and uh, they send their signals, they kind of are in competition with the pain, with the nerves that transmit pain, right? So think of it like a like you know, cars merging on a highway, right? Well, those uh, those the nerve that has the tape on it, you know, the, the slow adapting fibers, they start putting more cars merging into that highway, which means you're getting less of the signals that are saying I'm in pain. So it literally is a natural way to to reduce the amount of pain that you're experiencing in an area. And the neat thing about that is that, because you might say, oh, that's, that's kind of neat and everything, but what does that do? Here's the, the amazing thing about your nervous system. If you move as if you're in less pain, you tend to be in less pain. Does that make sense? Like, in other words, like my shoulder hurt, and you know, you get to that point, you're kind of anticipating it, right? right. But at this point where it doesn't hurt, the movement you're doing is the therapy. The, the, the pain-free movement you're doing is the therapy. So it is a way of providing therapy long after the doctors or therapists' hands are no longer on your body. Yeah, that was a absolutely great explanation. So similar to you, I went to the rock tape certification last year, and going in, I was like, I don't buy this stuff at all. I was like, they're gonna have to convince me. And they, you know, they they sat you down. They basically went through exactly what you just said, but in longer. And they were like bringing up the studies and you know showing the examples. And I was like, all right. All right, I'm on board now. You know, for 
for a $15 roll of tape, I mean, it, it does remarkable things, right? Like, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. And, and then surprising, he, I would say. I mean, even to this yeah. day, it's, it's, not, it's nine years later, I'm, I'm still surprised at how well it works. And then they also, so they, Rock Tape also has a podcast that I haven't listened to in a while, but I used to listen to it. And they had, um, they brought on, they've taped like essentially dogs and uh, horses. Yeah. And one of the interesting things about them they were saying was, you know, like the dog, the dog or the horse, I mean, they're not they're not subjective to the placebo effect, right? They are they're just behaving the way they should behave. And they were saying when they taped the horses and the dogs, they they changed their behavior afterwards, which was like pretty remarkable to hear. Yeah. That is neat. There are some other treatments that have done similar things. And I feel like that's definitely like a litmus test right there. Cause as you said, there, there is no placebo. There's no convincing them. They just, right. they had something done or they got something on their body. They're not, you know, they're not going to be thinking, Oh yeah, that's going to make me better. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you tape someone and you're like, did it, did it make me better? Like they don't want to be like, nah, it didn't, didn't do anything. Like they'll, sometimes they'll be like, yeah, yeah, it worked, I guess, you know, and then they, so it's pretty, pretty cool to see. So you we yeah, mentioned yeah. it at the beginning, you know, crisis planning. So you go in and uh, yeah, I have a race in three days, but something's bothering me. That's right. um, you know, I think uh, you, what what kind of modalities would you provide there? Rock tape would be the, or, uh, you know, kinesiology tape would be the primary one or. Um, no, it would be the primary one. It, it would be the, the, the combination and this, it's impossible to answer like what exactly would be done. Cause it's, there's, it's so very, yeah. because it, again, I have to weigh out my brain certain things can make you really sore. For example, trigger point dry needling make you very sore initially. So if your event's tomorrow, that even though that might be the very best option for you, that may not be the best thing to do. So I may have to do either another type of dry needling or I may have to do some of the other modalities. So the timing to the event makes a difference. Um, the nature of the event, the structure that's hurt compared to what you'll be using, those are all factors I have to weigh in to figure out what is the what is the combination of things that we're going to pull from that'll get the biggest results for you in the time frame that you're asking me? So so again, I, I'm I'm not thinking of next week, except of course we're, I'm not going to recommend if I think there's any catastrophic damage or something. But as long as it, as 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 it's something that we can get through safely, um, then what I'm thinking of is your event is Saturday. What can I do that's going to create the biggest impact between now and Saturday after your event? And that's the, that's my whole rationale behind that. Um, I actually, uh, I, I stopped working with the, with the T-Bones uh, this year. I worked with them for 10 seasons. Um, but when I, when I worked with them, that's the mode I constantly was in. So I was there before a game. And so, you know, it, it's a lot of pitchers. Pitchers come up, say, they say, it hurts when I do this, right? So I'm not thinking of, and here's the exercise you need to do. Here's this and that. It's, okay, let me feel that motion. Okay, this is restricted. Let me loosen that up. That feels better. Okay, now this feels like this. Let me put some tape on here to, to restrict that motion. Okay, that feels like it's better. You're going to be fine for tonight. Awesome. And I think what you're saying is resonating well with the OCR community because we have the tendency to like get injured and then just kind of push through it. Be like, no, 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 I can definitely do this 26-mile mountain course on Saturday yep. even though my leg hurts. So I think that's, yeah. that's really valuable. Now, you're located specifically in the Kansas City area. That's right. Not. So kind of before we move on to the wider world, but like where specifically is your facility in Kansas City? So we're in Olathe, uh, which is in Johnson County. It's, it's south of the actual Kansas City proper. And uh, we are just off of uh, uh, Highway 35, so I-35. Uh, so we're right near uh, a big hospital called Olathe Medical Center. So we're not attached onto it, but if you ever can find Olathe Medical Center, then you know where we're at. We're basically across the street from it. Cool. So that's good info. If you're in the KCOCR group, the uh, online Facebook group of the Kansas City Obstacle Course Racers, good info for that. But the rest of the audience, you know, spread out all across the country, how do I find someone like you? Because the answers you're giving me now are the answers, you know, I want to hear and the type of person I want to be working with, you know, if I live in yep. New York or Washington or et cetera. How do I find someone like you? So going on to some of the websites of the very things that you and you and I have talked about tonight are, are the easiest way to do it. Um, very often, uh, I, I actually, if it's someone calling in saying, you know, find someone for my mom, I'll actually give them the active release website. And the reason why is that active release is very good and everything. It's, I, I use other treatments. It's not like the only thing I do. I don't instruct for them. I'm not paid by them or anything like that. But the reality is this active release. It, it's expensive to get certified in. 
it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money. Um, and then every year it's an expensive recertification. So long story short, people who usually are actively certified, they are in it. They are very, they are literally invested in improving and keeping themselves at the top of their game. Uh, and when I go to ART seminars, um, I've been to many seminars over from many different types of healthcare providers and many different organizations. And when I go to an ART seminar, I, I mean, it's rare if ever that there's, that there is a single person, in the entire large group that I wouldn't send my parents to, you know, they tend to be really good. So my point is, even if the ART isn't the thing that you need, um, then it's a good starting point for, you know, for finding someone who's going to be good at what they do. Um, beyond that, you, so you can go to uh, activerelease.com, so activerelease.com, and it has a finder provider uh, uh, function on there. And you can just type in where you're at and, and look up somebody near you. And then what you can do is check out their individual websites. Let's say there's three, five people near you. And let's say that you're super interested in KT taping and dry needling. Um, then you might find on somebody's website, just online, like they, that's one of the treatments offered, right? So you go to treatments offered on their website and you see those things that you want and that's how you can choose. Uh, but other than that, if you, uh, you know, you mentioned Rock Tape. Rock Tape is a great organization. You can go to Rock Tape. Um, I imagine they probably have a certified provider function on there or something like that, uh, or uh, any of the other uh, treatments that we've mentioned. Awesome. Another very good answer. So where can people specifically find uh, you and your company for, you know, getting in contact with you for professional help? So our website is kchealthandsport.com. So kchealthandsport.com. Build out. Um, that's our website, and then the, the name of it is uh, Advanced Healthcare and Sports Injury. Or if you want to make it easier, I'm, I think I'm the only me in the country in terms of my name. I don't think there's a, a single other Kirk Iodice in the entire country. So, uh, so if you just look up Kirk K I R K, last name is Iodice I O D I C E. Uh, that's going to be a pretty easy way to find me. Cool. And people can people contact your personal page online for oh, yeah. questions. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, I, I've had the, the pleasure of, uh, I taught the chiropractic college for nine years. I've been involved with, uh, helping with different organizations, things like that. So we get questions, emails from people all the time. I have intern, an internship program that we do through the chiropractic college locally. We frequently have people. So long story short, we're very used to people, you know, contacting us questions, things like that. Um, you know, the reality is that as the healthcare provider, just like with what you do, you're not getting paid for every single thing you do, right? It's because you love it. It's, it's your passion. It's because what you believe in, right? Absolutely. So the same thing as a healthcare provider is that I feel like I'm still helping people. So um, uh, I've been to many races where I, I would do ART on people after a race and, um, and, and I just, I do a good treatment with them. And most people my patients and I appreciate that and it's awesome but ultimately if you tell me you're never gonna be my patient I'm still gonna give you a really good great treatment and I work on people at those events frequently who uh, I know I'll never see again they live in Austin or something like that and the crazy thing is I'll get emails from those people you know a month later and they'll because I, I will tell them okay this is what's wrong with you here's how you go about the same same questions we're answering here here's how you find someone who can help you and I'll get an e a thank you email from those people and they're just like thank you so much I was dealing with this for so long I followed your advice I got this person and they treated me so even though I didn't do the hands-on work it may not have happened if I hadn't met them or at least it wouldn't have in that time frame uh, so for me it's kind of that selfishly unselfish type thing that I still feel great about being able to help people even if it's not going to necessarily result in someone uh, being another patient in my practice awesome another good answer and we'll you know tag you in the when this post goes up on Facebook and on our website We'll have links to the website and your uh, Facebook page and stuff like that. So, Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Easy contact method there. All right. I think that kind of wraps things up. Before we go, any final things you want to share with the o wider OCR community? I think that there is a tremendous benefit in finding people who can treat things in the way that I do. Um, and, not, and I don't mean that for me, if you, you know, would rather not see me than see someone who does something similar, but people who treat in a similar method. Um, I'll tell you, Evan, one of the things I hear the most, and it, it used to make me feel really good, but now it's like, it's kind of a frustrating thing I hear all the time, which is, I wish I'd found you sooner, you know, which makes you feel good as a practitioner. But I, I hate that that was the case. I hate that it generally speaking, when people are saying that it took a long time, they had to try a bunch of other stuff or do other things. Um, so my, my simple advice would be find someone who does 
a similar spectrum of treatments like this uh, and kind of keep them in your back pocket um, because uh, these treatments, what they're best at is, is getting fast results and uh, helping to release tighter injured things. Um, and then often people like me will also have uh, be a good starting point for other providers. Like there are times where I for, refer directly to physical therapy and specific times where I say, listen, I, I'm not the best person for you. This person will be. So, um, so the, the take home message would be find someone who's decent. You can utilize this as a template for uh, some of the different uh, treatments that can be really beneficial for OCR athletes. And, uh, and I wish you the best. And if you guys need to contact uh, me or if you, you know, I'm sure Evan can answer some of the questions too, but if you want to contact me or my office directly, I'm, I'm happy to field any questions anybody has. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Uh, before we let you go, any final shout outs you want to give friends, family, etc co-workers whatever you know i i am uh grateful every day for working with a, an incredible team of people uh and you know they're they're part of the, the magic sauce that is our practice you know we one of our goals is an outstanding customer experience an outstanding patient experience so from the time people walk through the door and i'm only a part of that you know so it takes other people in there too so i'm grateful for that and i would just simply uh just give a word of gratitude to, to you thank you so much for having me on and uh, potentially giving some information that maybe someone out there could be helped by. Awesome. And if you're overall, if this, if you're listening to this podcast and as a couple months have gone by and you're having trouble finding some of the links on the CTG protein website, we have a recovery section under one of the dropdown tabs. I think it's under training and uh, Kirk's practice is listed under there too. So you guys can check that out. CTGprotein.com. Cool. Again, thanks for coming on. I thought the podcast was super interesting. I'm kind of nerdy like that. So I know some of my friends are in the same boat. So I'm pretty sure there's a good amount of people who at least enjoyed this and learned something new from this. So thanks again. And we'll definitely uh, be in contact again. We'll try to do some other things uh, with your practice in the future to kind of spread the word and spread the exposure uh, of all the different services you provide. I really appreciate it. And if you get any feedback too of specific things that people want to hear about, I'm happy to work in that kind of a format too. Like, you know, oh, cool. well, yeah. what's the best, you know, Achilles injuries, whatever it is, you know, something, something very, very targeted and specific. Um, you know, I, I, I try to keep a little itinerary in my brain about some of the, the most important key points about some of those things. So, uh, so if that ever pops up or that becomes relevant, I'm happy to work in that format too. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's a good idea. We've had uh, Luke Labonte, our nutritionist uh, that we bring on the podcast regularly. We've had him on a couple of different times. And I think the last one or two times we've had him on, we did like a Q&A. We posted it online ahead of time. People sure. posted yeah. their questions. And then we picked, uh, I don't, we typically don't have time to run through all of them, but we pick a handful and kind of run through them on the podcast. And it tends to hit, you know, people tend to have the same, a lot of the same questions. Oh, my knee bothering, my ankles bothering me, et cetera. So, yeah. yeah. That sounds great. We'll, uh, we'll look into that and definitely bring you back on in the future. That sounds awesome. I'd love to anytime, Evan. All right. We'll, uh, we'll catch you later. And for those of you listening, we just got another resupply in of bleg mitts, our neoprene mittens. So we should have enough for anyone that wants them for World's Toughest Mudder or any of the other big races coming up. And other than that, uh, teamstrengthspeed.com, an online store is where you can order those. All my books are also available on there, and they're all links for digital copies of the book. So if you're more of a digital person, uh, that option is now available. And we got some other news coming down the pipe later, but I will save that, and we will see you next week on the podcast. All right, Kirk, thanks again for coming on. Bye. Thanks again, Evan.